This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen, and you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we are speaking to Kylie Sheehan, who is giving us a peek into the world of polo. We'll discuss how to balance all the aspects of the polo business, traveling internationally, and being competitive in a male-dominated sport. After years of horse showing, Kylie took her first polo lesson in seventh grade at Garrison Forest, where she attended school. Kylie won a national interscholastic championship with Garrison Forest and went on to play for the University of Virginia, bringing home two national intercollegiate championships and was named a four-time national intercollegiate all-star. Upon graduating, she was selected to be a member of Team USPA, which kicked off her professional career. Kylie has represented the United States internationally in Nigeria, Malaysia, Argentina, and Ireland. Kylie was the winner and MVP of the 2021 U.S. Women's Open Polo Championship, the 2020 Texas Open, and was selected to represent the United States in the Nations Cup in 2021. Kylie runs Flying Cow Polo Club in Wellington, Florida in the winter. She spends spring and fall in Aiken, South Carolina, and travels throughout the U.S. and internationally in the summer season. Kylie teaches polo with a focus on women and children, trains horses, and plays professionally in both mixed and women's polo. The Saratoga Women in Business Spectacular is the first ever horse show created by women, operated by women, benefiting women's health, and showcasing women in business. This one-of-a-kind, extraordinary event is one you will not want to miss and is open to all competitors, both men and women, in the equestrian community. The Saratoga WIB Spectacular Horse Show is a USEF A-rated jumper three-star competition from July 13th through 17th, 2022 in Stillwater, New York. The Saratoga WIB Spectacular will partner and collaborate with equestrian businesswomen on this initiative. Exhibitors and attendees will be offered educational opportunities throughout the show and beyond to meet, interact, listen, and learn from a variety of remarkable women willing to share information about their careers and the paths they chose. For information on how to support Saratoga WIB Spectacular, visit www.saratogahorseshows.com. Hi, Kylie. It's so great to have you on today. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. (laughs) We're super excited to talk to you about your business and about polo. It's something that we really haven't had anybody on the show yet so um, to talk about it. So we kind of like to expand into all the different parts of the equine industry. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to... uh, Share everything I um everything I know. So um, let's <laughs> talk to you guys about it. That's yeah. great. We're gonna start right off, um, jumping in, and uh, wanted to talk to you about what it's like for you working in such a male-dominated industry. Well, at this point uh, in my career, I'm actually starting to feel lucky to be a female in polo. Uh, I think we've gotten to the point where there's so many opportunities coming up for women's players. Um, I think I'd be singing a different tune if it was 10 years ago. 
uh, at this point, 2022, we've, we have so many fantastic events, so many, um, Great programs. The United States Polo Association, um, also known as the USPA, which is I'm sure I'll be referring to them a lot uh, during this podcast. Um, they're the governing body of polo in the United States, and they've really stepped up and helped create a lot of opportunities for women. There's um, also a lot of a lot of women and men who have also stepped up in creating more and more opportunities. For girls and um, women, I'm 30 years old now, and I've been doing this professionally for the last eight, nine years, I guess you can say, since I've graduated from college. Um, and it's been amazing uh, seeing the progress in the sport. The United, the U- U.S. Um, Women's Open Polo Championship got moved from Texas to Florida three years ago. Um, this is actually the fourth year that it was played um, here in Wellington, Florida. Um, which is the high season for polo. Um, and that was a huge, huge step for women's polo. It really uh, upped the level of the game. And it's been really amazing to be a part of that. And the opportunities have just continued to grow. Uh, so it's it's been amazing. And uh, anyways, with being part of a male, what is considered a male-dominated do- industry, at this point, it's nice to not even have to really think about it as much. Um I'm able to play on men's teams. Um, the biggest, um, the biggest advantage of that is we're a handicapped sport. So mm-hmm. um, there's mixed handicaps and then there's women's handicaps. So I can play in mixed polo and women's polo um, in the same season. I can be playing um, women's tournaments and mixed tournaments. I have a men's handicap or a mixed handicap, I should say, um, mm-hmm. which is your goals, um, and then. For the for women's polo, I'm five goals um, in women's. So when I'm asked to play in a mixed tournament, I'm playing off of my zero goal handicap. Um, so I'm competing against men and women that are zero goals for that spot. Um, so when I'm being asked to play on teams and things like that, they're really just see they're looking for the best person, male or female, that plays on their handicap and the best fit for their team. Um, so it actually takes out the man versus woman. Um, it's just who plays the best on their handicap. Um, so I've really been able to benefit from that, um, in that way. Do you think that there's any other differences like besides the handicap, like, um, physically, uh, are there any restrictions or differences when you're playing against with men and, you know, then strictly with just the women? Absolutely. Um, as we all know, men are physically stronger than women. Um, it's just a biological reality of it. But the cool thing is, because it is an equestrian sport, an equine sport, um, the horses create a little bit more of a level playing field. Uh, yes, the men can hit further often. Their shoulders are wider. Their center of gravity is in a different place than women, which all, all are advantages um, for men to be able to hit stronger but we do have the same brains and then we also have the same horses as the, we can have the same horses as the men. Um, sometimes better horses. We, <laughs> so I, um, and so that really levels the playing field that my horse can run just as fast as the, uh, the male that I'm playing against. So in that way, uh, it's cool that women can actually play on the same field as men all the way up to the highest level of polo. Um, We've had, off the top of my head, two women's players that have won the U.S. Open, the mixed U.S. Open. Sunny Hale and Jillian Johnson, I know, have um, 
have won it. Um, and again, these are both, those are both players that were competing against men. They were on their same handicap. So they were because of their horses, because of how hard they've worked, they were able to win fair and square. So that's really cool. The, the handicap and the, the handicap system and the fact that we're competing on top of horses um, really kind of level the playing field in that way. Of course, you're right. There are some physical differences, but um, I think there's also advantages to being a female. I think we're a little bit more, not always, but uh, generally more in tune with our horses and things like that. So I think uh, generally women tend to be super organized horse-wise, things like that, um, which ends up being an advantage, a big advantage uh, in polo. Yeah. And as you've been in the industry, have you felt that you've been accepted as an equal and you know, either in the barns or and on the field. Um, absolutely, of course. With any uh, with any sport uh, or any anything we're in in life, there's uh, there's people that look at the positives, and then there's people that try to kind of be stuck in the past. I think that men are realizing that uh, women are the future of this sport. Um, in the last up until about ten years ago the sport polo was completely dominated by men in the last 10 years. It's actually gotten up to where the, the membership um, in the USPA is about 50, 50 actually men, wow. and women, which just goes to show how much growth there has been in women's polo players in the last 10 years. And wow. um, that's amazing. So, as I'm sure you all can imagine, that's a huge opportunity uh, for the industry to grow. Um, and everybody benefits from that. Um, mm-hmm more women's players there are the, the more horses are being bought the more stables are being rented and built and all that stuff so i think that actually the men are realizing that this is a huge part of our sport that we haven't a huge opportunity for growth that we haven't had in the past so i think actually men are embracing it the smart ones um are realizing this could be a big part of their business um and they're actually encouraging uh more women to play, encouraging women's polo, um, because it's good for the entire industry. Um, so it's super exciting. I mean, I, I played in the U S women's open finals a couple of weeks ago now, and all the, all five of the teams that were playing, uh, were backed by major men's organizations. I had five different top men's players helping provide me with extra horses to compete that day. We had men's coaches out there. Of course, obviously we have women's players that are also helping and coaches and all that stuff. But it's so cool actually to see the men get excited about the women's polo. Um, and so I think that they're just as excited as, as we are. Maybe, like I said, 10, 15 years ago, that might have been a little bit different. But I almost feel like at this point, um, the guys are realizing what a great part of the industry were becoming the women, women's players and women's professionals in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Super positive. Do you think that you have to negotiate your relationships um, with men in the industry differently than you do with women when you're conducting business, when you're playing, when you're on teams, or do you think it's the same? Um, I wouldn't say it's the same yet. I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. And believe it or not, I think that the actually the women's polo is what actually lacks um, in terms of pay, equality, things like that. 
In the mixed polo, again, since you're playing on your handicap, you kind of play for the standard rate that you're playing. Whether if you're a two goal female or you're a two goal male player, you know, there's kind of like the industry standard. Of course, there's, um, you know, it's not set in stone, um, but you can say, hey, I'm a two goal player. I, I make this much in an eight goal tournament, for example, mm-hmm. which is the um, handicap level of the tournament. And in women's polo, because it is a newer thing, uh, the higher rated players, like the 10 goal players, uh, 10 goal female players are not making the same money that a 10 goal male player would be pl- making in a tournament. And that's not to say that women aren't trying to support e- each other um, or anything like that. Um, I think it's because it is so much newer, the um, these higher end organized women's tournaments, but there is definitely uh, pay inequality and when I say paying inequality I buy the, you know, fractions of what um, a tangled male player is making versus um, a female player. Like I said, I don't think it's out of malice or lack of respect for women or anything like that. I think that there's still room to improve and or in women's polo is becoming more organized and I'm hoping that we'll get there. So in that way, when I'm, when I'm negotiating with men, that's not necessarily the um, the issue. It's just that women's polo is not quite as developed um, as men's polo. Um, it's you know as having female prof- professionals, um, if that makes sense. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you have advice for women who are kind of diving into an industry that might be a little more male dominated, and and you know how they can conduct their business and um, being involved with it. I think that the the biggest thing is to not have a, a chip on your shoulder or anything like that. Go into this. Um, you know, I, I've tried to realize that I think that for the most part, everybody is hoping for you to be successful. Um, everybody's trying to help each other out. Polo is a small enough world. It's much smaller than the hunter jumpers or the um, dressage industry, racing industry, anything like that. It's a, it's a super small community. You might be playing against a player in one tournament, but then the next tournament, they're your teammate, um, which is a little bit different than when it's just you and your horse competing against everybody else. You know, you're always competitors against everybody else. That's what's so cool about polo is since it is a team sport and your team isn't always the same, you know, your, your biggest enemy one week might be your best friend the next when they're actually passing the ball to you instead of you having to go try to stop them from scoring. Because of that, I think that the most important thing is knowing that everybody's in this together um, and knowing that everybody wants you to be successful. And I've tried to have that attitude. um, And men, women, anybody, I go to people for advice. I try um, try to have an open mind. And I think people really want to see young women get opportunities, um, in polo, get on more of these, uh, in more of these mixed polo tournaments, um, things like that. So that'd be my biggest advice is just know that and believe in yourself and take advantage of the opportunities that people are trying to, um, to give these young players. Um, and you know, you create your own luck. Um, and hopefully, you know, if you do the right thing and, um, you know, you're a good person and a good horse person show up as organized as you can. 
um, it usually works out. Um, it will get asked back and that sort of thing. So, Have there been roadblocks that you've faced in your career and how did you overcome them? Absolutely. I mean, with anybody that works in the equine industry, of course, we're working with live animals. Um, you'll have, I've had heartbreaks where I've thought I've had a top horse that I'm competing with that the week of my biggest tournament of my year comes in with a tendon or a suspensory, things like that. Of course, those are immediate roadblocks that, you know, at the end of the day, usually work out if, you know, whenever I've been short a horse or something like that, like I said, I've, you know, my friends that are in the industry always step up and help out. There were definitely roadblocks at the beginning of my career. Um, when I first graduated, I went to University of Virginia and played uh, college polo there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I graduated in 2013, which is less than 10 years ago, it's coming up on 10 years, <laughs> less than 10 years ago, um, it was I was um, part of a, a development team for um, that the USPA organizes. And at that point, it was not encouraged at all to try to pursue a professional career as a female. Um, right. Yeah. It's not like you went to college thinking I'm going to be a professional polo player. Right. Absolutely. I went to <laughs> all girls high school, girl power, you know, today, all that stuff. I, you know, I was personally taught and through my education and everybody around me, I'm one of three sisters, no brothers. So I, I was never taught that women couldn't do it by any means. Um, but going into this polo industry and having this passion, it was a little bit daunting because, you know, I was being told that you shouldn't try to be a female professional. You can go teach a polo school or manage a polo club, um, which I have done. Um, and that's been a huge part of my success, um, and getting me to where I am today. But actually the fact that I started out with that and didn't immediately go into just trying to be a professional, um, actually ended up, I think, adding to my success at the end of the day. So what started as a roadblock, which was that, that there really wasn't, it wasn't even that I was necessarily being told I couldn't be a female professional, but there wasn't, there weren't the tournaments to play and the, the infrastructure right. to actually be a successful, um, professional female player. Um, like I said, fast forward nine years forward. I'm here in Wellington playing the U S women's open. We have four or five other women's tournaments, uh, during this season alone, there's so many more opportunities. Anybody that's a third year old player, unless you're nine goals and up, which is there's no Americans that are my age that are nine goals and up uh, men's or women's actually. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of give you an idea, Everyone is, it's a, everyone's struggling a bit at this point. They're figuring out if they can make it to that next level. They're investing in horses, you know, your classic kind of equestrian professional uh, conundrum and me making that infrastructure of running a polo school, also running the club. It's given me a depth that I think a lot of the male players don't have that they only they kind of have their eggs and all in one basket where they're trying to make it as professional. Whereas I have, you know, five different things going on at one time. So if one isn't going that well, if I'm not getting the jobs I want or something like that, I still am running a polo school, running a club, selling horses, all those things. So I think actually as a professional in this industry, 
male or female, I think I'm actually one of the more successful ones. Um, probably the, uh, have the most depth, most, most depth in my, in my business. So I'm really mm-hmm. happy with where I've come, even though it might've been a roadblock originally. So I feel lucky. Right. When I, um, was growing up, I rode hunter jumper, but we boarded at the Naperville polo club. Um, oh. So I would groom polo in the summers and, (laughs) but I remember it being exclusively male. Like there was never any women. And then you, you know, you saw Sunny Hale, like you said, come along and I thought she was so inspiring and Jillian Johnson as well. Do you think there are more women kind of playing at that top level now more than ever? Absolutely. It's been amazing to see all the young, talented female players that are coming up. Like you said, I think Sunny Hale really paved the way, um, along with players like Jillian Johnston, Don Jones. I can go on mm-hmm. with the list. We're at the point where we have we have multiple Tangle women's players um, that are are at the level or close to the level of um, Sunny Hale, a English woman named Nina Clarkin. The first person American that comes to mind is a girl named Hope Ariano. She's only, yeah. I think she turned nine mm-hmm. years old the other day, yeah. right. 19 years old. And she's eight goals in women's, um, two goals in men. She's like our, our shining star. Uh, yeah. Women's and actually mixed polo. I would say out of players, her age, men's or women's mixed or women's polo. is actually one of the strongest players um, in the United States. It's so cool to see that as, as she's 19 years old. She was born in the 2000s. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she is like already so successful and playing at such a high level. It's it's really cool to see the hor- the horsepower that some of these girls are getting on. It's it's taken leaps and bounds. And the more successful the more of us are, I think the more it paves the way for future players. I'm teaching an 11 year old right now who is already playing in women's tournaments and winning and, you know, is starting to travel and play and all that stuff. And it makes me think I'm like, gosh, she's going to be my pro in 10 years. This is going to be so cool. Um, Because I think I I took my first lesson in seventh grade. So however old that made me probably like what, 12, 13, 13, like that, (laughs) you know, and I got to where I am at this point feeling fairly successful it's so cool to see these girls have these opportunities at such a young age and watching them play in mixed kids tournaments and stuff like that. And they are kicking these boys butts. It's so cool. (laughs) So I think that the, the more, and and they were getting to play with and against players like Hope Ariano and Nina Clarkin and um, Leah Salvo, Hazel Jackson, Izzy Parsons, the list goes on the top, literally the top women's players in the world are here playing with these young players and it's only going to make the entire sport better and more successful. Like I said, if, if one person's winning, we're all winning in a way. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's been so cool about this women's polo movement is everybody's so supportive and wants people to wants these uh, young players to be successful and to really go up the levels um, as high as they can. So it's been uh, really cool to see. So what other countries have you competed in? So I, so of course with the pandemic things slowed down or my international travel travels in the last year or two, I was able to go play 
in Argentina this fall in November. Um, I was lucky enough to November and December. I was lucky enough to represent the United States um, in the Nations Cup, which was a tournament that we got to play in Palermo, which is in Buenos Aires, um, Argentina. Um, it's the most famous polo field in the world. Um, it's kind of a dream for it's maybe the uh, I don't know what the equivalent uh, Hamburg maybe is that is that a jumper the big jumper I don't know what the whatever Aachen. yes Aachen. Aachen. That, so that's the <laughs> of uh, of polo and I was pinching myself when I was out there representing the United States um, it was a it was a all women tournament we played against England and Argentina and an honor to represent my country. It was exciting to get back outside the United States after getting through uh, COVID and everything that we've kind of been through in the last two years. And again, it was really cool. We were, you know, I, uh, male mentor of mine, T- Matias Magrini was providing horses for us. And you could tell he was just as excited to see these American women out there on his horses re- representing their country. And same with England and Argentina, the, it's such an honor for us and something that really has only started these opportunities have really start, only started in the last couple of years. Um, hmm. Things like play a nation's cup um, at Palermo. That was something that never happened up until a couple of years ago. Um, so that's my most recent um, international trip. I, I do go to Argentina. I try to go every fall. There's a lot of amazing horses down there. So I try to go down and do a little bit of horse shopping. I try to import horses um, from or- Argentina up here and then sell them up here. And then um, if I can get into a tournament there, um, I'm, my goal is for this upcoming fall, I'm hoping to play the Argentine Women's Open, which is the most competitive women's tournament in the world. So that's my goal for this upcoming fall. Besides that, I've uh, I've gotten to play in uh, Malaysia, actually, um, Argentina, obviously, Nigeria, um, and Ireland. Um, again, all in um, all in women's uh, tournaments, um, and it's it's always really cool to see these polo clubs are so enthusiastic about having women's teams um, at their club. The crowds are always super excited and uh, super amazed. At, mm-hmm. The tournament in Nigeria, for example, was a breast cancer um, awareness event. It was amazing to see these these kids who had no idea that women even knew how to play polo um, or even knew how to ride a horse, much less. Um, and they got to see all these amazing women out there um, going at it. And I, I like to think that we inspired some of those kids and kind of showed them that women can do it. Um, and I'm sure since then, uh, some of them have you know, given it a try. Um, so, um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun to get to go do those international tournaments. And then this, uh, I actually am getting to go to England, um, in June to play, um, an event in London. Um, and then after that, I'm going to go to Kenya to play with a yeah. that I uh, got to play with in the U S women's open. And then after that, I'm actually going to get to go down to Colombia. So it's, it's going to be a big summer cool. of international travel. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's really fun. It's a lot of fun. And obviously, wherever you go, um, you have something in common with everybody uh, that you're visiting. So it's a lot of fun to travel and play polo. And you spoke briefly before, you know, about how managing a polo club and um, 
and that sort of thing outside of being a professional player really helped your career. What kind of duties do you have in managing the polo club? Um, so every year I'd say my business has developed. I actually opened my own business four years ago. Um, before that I was working for other people, um, riding young horses, teaching lessons, kind of doing all the things that I do now, but I was just doing it for other people. Now I'm running it entirely. I've had, I have usually three or four people working for me down in um, Wellington, which is kind of my high season. And, um, you know, I do everything from recruiting new players, advertising, trying to get the word out there um, to try to get people to come take lessons. I like to kind of say I, I go from A to Z. I go from your first lesson to um, getting some of these players into the U.S. Women's Open or some of these other higher um, tournaments. I try to find my clients' horses, take care of them once they've bought them, and then you know help them continue to improve once they've you know learned the basics of polo. And the it can be super daunting to get into polo. You you go to international polo club to watch a game on Sunday. You look down at the pony lines, and there's six hundred thousand dollar rigs sitting there. And, <laughs> you know, 40, 50 horses, you're like, how much do I get there? You know, and so what people don't realize is you can start with just on school horses. You don't have to own a horse. In fact, if you really just own a pair of boots and a decent helmet, um, you can, you can start polo. So that's like my biggest focus is trying to show people that there, there is an entry level of polo. Mm -hmm. That's something that our sport kind of lack, um, sometimes lacks is like accessibility. So my day-to-day goes from everything from checking the horses, calling people, organizing practices, making sure my horses and I are both uh, physically at our top, you know, peak condition uh, so we can compete competitively, you know, without forgetting about my my clients at the same time, you know, that is the struggle that I run into is because I'm kind of running a five ring circus in a way there's the, there's times, especially when I'm really competing in the, in the women's open, for example, when I'm really focusing on myself and staying Mm -hmm. focused. And I'm really lucky in the clients that I have are super understanding of that and, you know, are cheering for me and want me to, so they're willing to let me kind of focus on myself in those like in those couple of weeks where, you know, I'm kind of all in on the tournaments. And then, you know, we go back to all having fun and playing other tournaments together when I'm not in, you know, my peak competitive season. So and you mentioned, um, you know, you made the decision to start your own business instead of working for others. What was kind of the the reason or, you know, was there a certain point in time where you're like, I have to do this for myself now? And um, what was that point for you? Absolutely. You know, that's a scary uh, ledge to jump off of for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I had some mentors uh, and people that I worked for um, that taught me a ton and actually really encouraged me to you know, start to do some of this stuff on my own. I got lucky enough to um, have an opportunity to run a polo club here in Wellington and kind of be become the manager of it. And having that facility um, at my disposal 
was a huge, um, huge turning point in my career because it had, you know, having the facility, having a polo field to run my business out of was something when it, when the opportunity arose, I jumped right on top of it. Um, and I'm super grateful for that opportunity. Um, and once I had that facility, um, at my disposal, the rest kind of fell into place. I started to, you know, I always knew that I had a good eye for horses and knew I was good with um, teaching and with people and all that stuff. Um, the thing I was actually the most unsure of was my, was the scope of my playing and my ability. Um, and I've actually probably surpassed what I thought I was going to be able to do um, ability wise playing, which has been a really nice surprise. I honestly didn't think even five years ago that I'd be playing in the U S women's open last year. I won it and was named MVP um, which, like I said, if you had asked me four or five years ago, if I was going to do that, I probably would have laughed. It sounds like you're able to take some time to focus on yourself though, which I think is helpful because when you're doing so much for everybody else and all running around in all the different directions, that ability for you to be able to be like, okay, this is my time to focus on me and do what I need to do for me and have that group of cheerleaders behind you probably really helps push you forward and do what you do, right? Something that I've really had to learn, and especially the busier I've gotten, the more opportunities I've gotten, is how important building a good team behind me um, and with me. It's not necessarily behind me. It's with me um, has been. Um, It'd be impossible to to accomplish anything in the sport without, you know, without we all know good grooms or the most important thing. If your horses aren't healthy and happy. You know, there's, there's no success in, in the equestrian role without your horses. You know, I've had some fantastic assistants, um, working students. Um, and then, like you said, even clients that are cheering for me as well and, you know, trying to help me get the best opportunities possible. So it's 100% um, the team that you surround yourself with. And then, you know, of course, there's the people that I'm managing and, um, you know, building my business with. Um but then there's the people above me that are that I'm still considering mentors and I'm learning from and I'm calling and asking advice for. So it, it kind of goes both ends. I like to think that I'm helping people um, that are you know coming up the ranks and learning and all that stuff. And then I also have access to um, some incredible professionals in the polo industry and then in the equine industry as well. You know, even the vets and the Shoers and things like that, um, acupuncturists, chiropractors, all that I think is so important. You know, I'll even go home and <laughs> take a dressage lesson every once in a while just to keep myself <laughs> up. Uh, and I think all of that stuff um, crosses over. Um, so that's I think it, it is so important. Um, if you if you're with a group that you trust, the people that are with you, then I I feel like I have done a much better job of creating time for myself. And I think that in the long term, like you said, it's, it's created, it's helped with my success is, you know, taking that personal time and uh, not running yourself too thin. Um, so absolutely. That's a great point. You spoke about how important mentors are to you. And I feel like, you know, maybe in the horse world and riding and things like that, there are people always willing to lend a hand, but I feel like it's a lot harder when, Maybe you're starting a business or, um, you know, something not directly related to riding as a profession. And have you had people who've helped you more on the business side? Absolutely. So it's funny. I'm 
my sisters are actually, I'm from a not horse or polo family. My mom and I actually started riding together. So now she, now we're, we consider ourselves a horse family, but it wasn't a growing up in a horse family on a farm situation. And my other two sisters, I'm the middle child. My older sister ended up in finance and my younger sister is ended up being an architect, um, mm. which have ended up both being very um, helpful uh, industries for, uh, you know, my older sister kind of helps me keep uh, everything uh, fairly organized. Um financially and then my younger sister swears she I haven't I haven't gotten there yet but she swears that she'll help me design my dream barn uh when I end up building it but no you're so right I mean there it's obviously we surround ourselves with horses and horse people um especially in places like Wellington we end up in this in this bubble um and it seems like this is like the the only world that exists, you know, and then I'll go home for a holiday or, or see, you know, my family or I'll have college friends come visit and taking a step out and uh, realizing that there is so much more going on in this world than just horses. And just um, it's actually really good for my business because people that I'm bringing into this, into polo, again, they don't think like I do. I wake up and think about, what best polo pony and the best player in the world. That's like what I think about all day, every day. And I have to realize that not everybody thinks like that, or maybe they don't yet. They ho- hopefully will, but I hope they will listen to 95% of the people in the, in the horse industry that are supporting this industry. They want to do this for fun. And they, and yeah. they, um, this one, this should be an outlet for them. Um, and that's always been one of my biggest focuses in my business is to make sure that everybody that comes into my barn enjoys their experience there. It's a positive environment. It's a place where they can think of that as their outlet um, from the real world. Even though I, of course, think of my barn as my real world. It's it's their mm-hmm. outlet. It's their vacation. And so having um, you know, having access to kind of the the real world reminds me of that. At the end of each episode, we ask the same three rapid fire questions to our guests and Connor usually starts with the first one. So what is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? I I believe in uh, saying yes to opportunities. Um, I have had, uh, I think more opportunities come up than people realize in their lives. Um, and it's so easy to think you don't have time or, oh, that's not possible or anything like that. My uh, my biggest advice is if it's something you want to do, make the time to do it um, and make it a priority and believe that um, you're capable of executing it or being part of it. Um, so saying yes to opportunities, I think, is something that has really improved my life. What is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? I think that... Not necessarily a habit, um, but I think that staying positive has been the um, the biggest thing that's helped me day to day and then in the long term. A coach of mine in high school, my polo coach, used to always say to me, you know, the entire game we play, say next play, next play, next play. Her name is Cindy Halley. She's um, still an amazing coach. And I think that actually translated into my whole life and my business is – you know, thinking about instead of next play necessarily, not thinking about, you know, what shot you're going to make next, but it translates to life um, to be, to not kind of dwell in the present, but always be thinking about the future. And um, if things aren't going right, you got to kind of 
keep thinking about, you know, maybe change something up. Um, so I think that that has turned into a habit of mine is, okay, so this isn't working. What's the next play? What am I going to do? Um, and that's helped me a lot. And what's your favorite horse movie? Horse movie is, um, what was that? I think it was war. What is a war horse? Is that what the, yeah, it was war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love all those movies where in polo, I always kind of think of myself when we go out in the field, I think of us like going into battle a bit with the <laughs> bunnies. We're like a team um, and the horses are trying for me and I'm trying for the horses, of course. Um, so I loved that movie and seeing how the horse, um, you know, did so much for, um, you know, for all these people and made a big difference. And I like to think of my polo ponies as war horses. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, I awesome. like that. Well, it was so fun talking to you and learning more about um, what you do and your industry. And I'm really glad to know that it's grown so much um, and that women have so many more opportunities now in polo. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, I agree. I hope that um, hopefully I inspired some people to maybe come out and try polo and give it a try. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's more accessible than people realize. Um, and it's a really fun community to be a part of. Um, so I encourage anybody that's thinking about trying it um, to, you know, just put it in Google. You can actually find it easier than you think you can. Uh, <laughs> come out and take a lesson. Well, that was so cool talking to Kylie today and learning more about women in polo. I don't think I really realized the extent of how much it's grown recently. Yeah, I didn't realize either. I mean, I I know, like I said earlier, that we supported um, like an inaugural women's international uh, tournament in Rhode Island a few years ago. Um, and actually, some of the players that she was talking about, I was like, oh, I know that name. I, I've mm-hmm. I've seen that person play. Like that's so cool. And even um, you and I have ha- have chatted with Dawn Jones before. Right. That she was looking to do some stuff with women in polo. So yeah, um, and she was supportive of equestrian businesswomen. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think that, that it's great that it's grown. I think that it was really interesting her talking about how like it's almost a little easier in the mixed polo than in the women's polo. I enjoyed hearing her talk about, you know, the, all the different work that she does in order to kind of be a better horsewoman and a better businesswoman. Um, you know, running a polo club and running her own teaching business and having a sales horse business and then playing professionally herself. Like that's a lot of balls to keep in the air. And, but I'm sure each one kind of helps the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, a juggling act, but you're kind of juggling around the same industry. So, you know, yeah. She's fortunate for that. But also, I like that she was able to take so much time for herself to play professionally and know that right. it's going to help all the rest. But some, so many times, like us as women, we're worried about all the other aspects and we don't take the part that's like one of the most important for ourselves and do it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to see her like, like validate that you can do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that, um, I think by doing that, she's become like she said so much better than she ever thought she would be right like she never thought she'd be you know selected to play on the nation's cup or win the u.s women's polo open and 
I th- I thought that was really cool to hear her talk about, you know, how all of these things came together and made her a better rider and a better competitor. Yeah, and the that opportunity to go internationally like that, like that sounds like it would be so amazing and mm-hmm. fun to see the different places. And then, you know, that Argentina, it, you know, she's learning there and then taking that to other parts of the world, not just mm-hmm. the, like one country, like other parts of the world and, and giving that knowledge to other people. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, anybody who knows Polo knows that Argentina is the pinnacle of the sport. So I'm sure it's huge opportunities just to be there, much less to play there um, and get to know breeders and sponsors and all the top players, that sort of thing. It all helps. And um, like she said, you know, you have to be able to say yes to opportunities when they present themselves to you. And, um, that was really cool to hear how, how much it has helped her. And um, we definitely have to f- figure out a way to go watch her play. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe take a lesson. The two of us. I don't know if we would like that survive that be, through it. <laughs> that would be tough. Like I'm all for going on a trail ride <laughs> on a polo pony. But I'm telling you when I played, uh, when, when I first started, my you don't even realize like the little muscles in the in your forearm and just from like easy stick and balling like I could barely lift my arm for like a week so it's it's a tough sport it's a really hard sport to learn and to be good at um and you have to have a certain mentality I think to be good at it I definitely think so. So it's funny that you said that you grew up with like boarding at a polo place because we also for a couple of winters boarded at a place where the family was like entrenched in Cornell polo. Like their son was older than me, but like he went and I think they had a daughter who went and we stayed their barn was pretty quiet in the winters. And so we boarded a couple of horses there and they had a room where they had like a dummy and you just hit balls and hit yeah. balls and hit balls. Right. And uh, so my mom would drop us off at the barn and we would ride and then we'd be waiting for her. And that's what we did. We sat in there and we'd hit balls all afternoon long waiting for her to come mm-hmm. pick us up. So yeah. And, and we had one pony that you could play polo off of. And my brother was a little more interested in it than, than I was, but you know, I've hit the mallet or the ball around a little bit with a mallet so yeah it, it's fun it's fun to have those little experiences right for sure i uh i don't think there's much more fun than breezing polo ponies like <laughs> you know the not fun part is when you're you've got like three on each side and you're <laughs> exercising them and one decides to go the opposite direction <laughs> that's not as fun but when you get yeah. to just ride one and like let it really go oh, and no. feel the incredible speed that they have yeah like you know, on a, on a snap, they just go and it's it's pretty cool feeling as, as much as jumping a big jump is or, uh, right. Not racing. I mean, and racing. Yeah. Which I can say I've never done, but (laughs) gone fast on polo ponies and yeah, it's really cool. Um, so that was great to learn more about her and the sport. Yeah. I loved it. It was good. Find the links to today's guest and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. 
Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now say yes to the opportunity. <laughs>